Okay, if you have your Bibles and want to uh, follow along with me, we're in Jonah today. We're finishing Jonah. So Jonah's in the Old Testament. It's part of the 12. As you go to sort of just the part before the New Testament starts and you hit Jonah, and then we're in Jonah chapter 4 today. This book is a tour de force of the mercy of God. And if you've walked through with us as we have been in Jonah over and over, it started right with with God's prophet Jonah fleeing from the presence of God. And instead of being punished, right, he's used. Pagan sailors come to know God and, and this picture of atonement as he's thrown overboard. And then we had chapter 2 that when he's dying, he's, he's saved. Miraculous, right? Totally not of his doing. This fish that God appoints to come and swallow him. Like, when has that ever happened? And how did he survive? And what goes on? And he gets right to the place where he should be. Last week, we really saw the culmination of this amazing mercy of God on Jonah. Not just on Jonah, right? As Jonah goes and he, he preaches to the Ninevites. And, and just five words, 40 days, and this city is destroyed. And they respond, so God doesn't do what he said he was going to do. He relents. This relentless mercy of God. That's really our story, right? The mercy of God on us, and it's so cool, and each and every person has received mercy, and we smile, and we talk about grace, and our church is called Grace Church, and, and then we say, okay, hallelujah, let's party. This is amazing, and we're done. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Here's the thing this morning. We are not done. The main practical lesson of Jonah is today. Because honestly, the book could be done, right? Mercy wins. We're done. But, but, but no, there's chapter 4. There's the end of the book. It's the key plot element. Remember how Jonah started? The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Go, arise. The word of the Lord came to God's man. And if you heard the word of the Lord and he said, speak, what would you do? How would speak? The word of the Lord came to Jonah saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that evil city, and go and speak out against it. And so the word of the Lord that came to God's man, and so God's man turned and he ran. I know you've read Jonah. You've probably read chapter 4. But if you're reading this the first time, and as it's constructed, the plot element, the depth, the wonder, the question that's never been answered, why did he run? Why did this man run away? That was the whole thing, right? If you hadn't already read Jonah, I know what I would answer. Because he knew the The word of the Lord came to Jonah saying, go to that great evil den of iniquity. Go to those cruel people and say my word to them. I know what I'm thinking he's doing. I know why he's running. He's afraid of man. These torture people. They cut them open. They do terrible things. I I get it, Jonah. You're afraid of them. Then I go, Jonah, he's got a trust issue with God because he's thinking God won't protect him as he goes into this really evil, hard place. 
of sympathy for Jonah. But you know, as I read Jonah chapter 1, and then I studied Jonah chapter 2, and then I looked at Jonah chapter 3, not a single word about the motivation of Jonah. The way that the book is written, you're thinking the question hasn't been answered. Why did Jonah run? It's shocking that his struggle is with mercy. We say we love mercy, but we really don't. This book that you and I read and this book that you and I take and, and we say this is the message of God for us and the message that it has is a message of mercy and we twist it and so it's not a message of mercy but a message of self-improvement. Why? We don't like mercy. I think we're with Jonah. I want to show you chapter 4. Come look with me. Jonah, Jonah chapter 4. Huh. Looks to me like it says Jonah chapter 3. <laughs> Jonah chapter 4. Just follow along with me. Here we go. It says there are struggle starts with mercy. It displeased Jonah exceedingly. He was angry. It starts out, the chapter starts in chapter 4 saying, oh man, Jonah's displeased. What is he displeased with? How did chapter 3 end? It ended with the Ninevites saying, oh, we repent. And God saying, oh, I won't, won't do this terrible thing to you. And that displeased Jonah exceedingly. Oh, <laughs> Think, why did it displease Jonah? I know, I know, I know, I know. Because Jonah only got five words in and he's a preacher and and no preacher likes to end his sermon at five words. I mean, that's not it, is it? He's angry at God. He struggles with God's mercy. In verse 2 it says, And he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for, for I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O oh Lord, please take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. What? I mean, really, don't miss this. This is a huge surprise. Jonah hasn't been running in fear for his life. He hasn't been afraid of the Ninevites. He's been furious at God. This is the message that he walked in with, and it was a cool message. He was on with it, man. You're going down. You're going, yeah, like that. Like crackles and, and, and lightning. And now God's relenting. God's not going to kill them. God's going to go let them live. God's blessing them. It's, it's too much. And Jonah just kind of says, I knew it. I knew you were a gracious God. I knew you were merciful. I knew you were slow to anger. I knew you were abounding in steadfast love. Never knew those could be insults. <laughs> but they are, Right? that God is relenting from the disaster that he said he would do on the wicked. Verse 
Jonah's not off his rocker. We don't think it's a good thing either. I think we struggle with mercy in other people, right? Let me give I mean, the fool gets rich instead of poor. Just because God's not rightly applying stuff. I mean, that fool's not any smarter than me. He put all his money on some stock just because he liked the image of an apple. And now he's, he's worth millions of dollars. I'm still working at the five and dime. I'm just not happy for him. I'm jealous. The murderer gets pardoned and not killed. He's, that's not right. Or maybe it's just that the, maybe, okay, that's too ethereal. You're driving down the freeway and the guy in front of you is going 80 and you're just kind of trailing at 75 and he's slowly pulling away from you. And here comes the cop. They pull you over. What? Do you realize the car in front of you was going faster than I was just following? That's not fair. The corner cutter gets promoted and not fired. You know, I work hard for a promotion and it goes to somebody else. That's lame. Merit-free advancement? I'm angry. I deserved that. God just doesn't put people in their place. And I have an idea where that place is because I've read the Bible and I know the standards. And so then when it doesn't go by the standards that I think ought to be, what, what is God doing? It's not right. I know what good and bad are. And I see people being bad and they're blessed. And so this gracious and merciful slowly becomes grating. Slow to anger is too slow. Abounding in love is not aimed at the right people. It's like Jesus taught in Matthew 20, right? That's why we read Matthew 20 just a little while ago. Christ himself, the word of God, it's in red. As Jesus gave this story about how really we, we don't like mercy. Mercy's okay in some sort of foundational way, but in practical terms, no way. If God is kind to someone and I put in more effort, I deserve more kindness. He should be more kind to me and vice versa. If I'm more moral than someone and, 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 and I'm God's kid, he should protect me. Not that person. So Jonah. Really helpful because it's real, right? Measurable morality and the judgment of God. I, I don't like depending on mercy, maybe for an initial boost, but now mercy leads me to personal morality. Here's God's question. It's, uh, it's verse 4. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Very interesting. God interacts with Jonah. These Ninevites, you know, they're scum. Yes, they are scum. And God just blessed him. Ugh. And before you say, no, it's not right that Jonah's angry, before you say that, realize in your life you're probably saying yes. Yes, it is okay to be angry because people just get blessed with no regard to merit. Even if you say he shouldn't be angry, you're probably basing it on the idea. Man, Jonah shouldn't be angry. They repented. 
they did something to get God's favor. Maybe an act of mercy saves us, but obedience keeps us, you know, in God's role. And it's just, it's amazing to us. We think that it's, it's okay that God blesses because we pray a little prayer. Like that becomes our, our, our structure. I really do think we think God's role as judge, according to previously published guidelines, Old Covenant 101, New Covenant 102, however you're going to say those guidelines are, he's going to um, get you, judge you, according to how you've done. It's logical, it's right for God to judge these people. They've been killing God's people. So go ahead in your heart, just a little yes. Yes, it is right to be angry when the good good people don't get what they ought to get and the bad people get what they don't deserve. That's how you're going to be, God, letting the evil off the hook. I'm out. So here's the lesson. This is the lesson that God gives Jonah, his prophet, the receiver of his mercy, all the way through. And, you know, really it's remarkable how merciful God is to us after we're converted, if you will. An experience of mercy. There, here he goes. He says, so Jonah went out of the city in verse 5, and he, he sat to the east of the city, and he made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he could see what would become of the city. The idea is the 40 days hasn't happened yet. So God said, okay, I'm not going to do it. But now Jonah's going to watch. Maybe God will come to his senses. Maybe this city will be destroyed. And and, and if you're a, a, a reader and you like irony, you can see a little piece of irony here because Jonah goes and he makes a booth. That's the same word that they use for the tabernacles, the, the feast of booths the whole Feast of Booths that they made at Passover because that's when they remembered that though they didn't deserve it, God spared their firstborn child from destruction and death in Egypt. Like the whole experience of mercy. Who knows? Maybe even Jonah's great ancestor was a firstborn child (laughs) that got saved when they should have died and so Jonah's alive right now because of the mercy of God. I don't know. Anyway, there he is, angry Jonah. He's waiting to see what's going to happen. And the 40 days aren't up yet. And boy, the 40 days to see if God, who said he would smite these evil people, will follow through or whether he's actually going to save them from destruction. Now, Yahweh God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah so that it might be a shade for his head to save him from his discomfort So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. So here comes the lesson. God appointed, and remember the same word that he used for the fish. God's in charge. It's a miracle. This is like a miracle like the fish. God just made this plant. The music should sound or something. Large shade tree all of a sudden comes over Jonah. God's in utter control of everything. The plant comes up, it gives him shade. It's of value to Jonah. So Jonah is happy, gladly received. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. God didn't promise Jonah a plant. Total mercy. So the next day, 
the worm takes it away. God can do that, right? He can just do what he wants. What God thinks is good and best, period. And then there's this, even more, right? God just doesn't have to give mercy or just withhold mercy. God can do things that even cause discomfort. Because look what happens next. It says, when the sun rose, God appointed. There's a third thing he appoints, a fourth thing he appoints. A scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint, and he asked that he might die, and said, it's better for me to die than to live. God appoints whatever he wants. Whether it helps or hurts really who is man that you're mindful of him. Our God is all powerful and almighty and massively above us. And and Jonah says, I'm done. I want to die. It's better for me to be dead. You see, God's like, no, I'm using you in the midst of your discomfort. You need to see this here. I'm not sure you're seeing it. So let let me try and... You're reading the book of Jonah. You're reading about the lesson that God is doing with Jonah. Jonah's being used. Jonah's what? Mad at God. In the midst of Jonah's disobedience. In the midst of Jonah's not doing what he should do. In the midst of him not just being, Lord, I just love you and praise you and worship you. God is absolutely using him because now... 2,000, 3,000 years later, you are reading this account and learning about God from Jonah. This is our God. (coughs) He does crazy cool stuff. In the midst of his discomfort, because this book's being written, the tales for you and me and all who might read it, Jonah's a living lesson for us and God's mercy and our struggle. In the midst of his wrong thinking, he's being used. God doesn't let him die. I like what he says, though. God said to Jonah, do you do, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. <coughs> Finally, the truth comes out of him. Yes, I'm angry enough to die. I do well to be angry. Yes, I struggle with mercy. Yes, I don't like it. You don't do what I want you to do, God. You don't do what you should do. Finally, there's no hypocrisy here. I feel like in our hearts and in our lives, so often there's a thick layer of hypocrisy, like blubber on a whale, to actually get to what we really think. I've got to slice down and get to us to really inside how we really think. Jonah finally has been pushed and pushed. And he says what he really thinks. I struggle. God, you're not doing, Jonah says, what you should do. What's that? Play by the rules. The rules that I understand. The law. Have mercy on your people, God, not your enemies. Deploy your might for your people who who, who obey you, not your enemies. And Jonah sees himself there, right? He's God's guy. He's a prophet. God's not doing what he should. And that was Jonah's fear from the beginning. And and so so then then there's the end of the book. 
And God spoke back to him. You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who don't know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? Okay, don't get caught up in the last phrase. Don't get caught up in, oh, now we can calculate how many people were in Nineveh. Is that 120,000 kids? Therefore, you multiply by how many kids per family and you get them up to, wow, look how big this city was. Dude, that is so not the point. I mean, anything to do with this. It, the thing that has to do with it is, is God says, you had compassion on the plant, which you had, did nothing for. Why did Jonah have compassion on the plant? He valued it. Jonah's value was based on what? The plant helping him. God says, why shouldn't I have compassion on Nineveh? I made those people. No matter how foolish they are, no matter how ignorant, I ma- and I made the cattle too. Right? I worked to make them. Who are you to dictate to me? Okay, so now I'm ready for Jonah to repent and go. That's the end. The book ends right there. And we're left there, right? We don't know if Jonah got it. We don't know if he responded. That isn't important to know. What's critical is this. Do you see your struggle? Do you see your dependence, your total dependence, all the way through life on God's mercy? Because if you have even half an eye and you've walked through this with me, you've seen over and over the main mercy of God throughout this book has been on his disobedient prophet, Jonah. He's been interacting with them all this time. As he's held anger in his heart against God, here's the thing. You and I are totally dependent on mercy. You are dependent on mercy from your first breath to your last. You are dependent on the mercy of God every moment that you exist. You are dependent. And and this thing that happened right here, Jonah, he made a category error. Right, we, we make it as Christians, just as Jonah did so long ago, because we think we are now on God's team. I am. I'm a child of God. Therefore, I have more value than the rest of his creation. We expect God to act on certain terms. They are terms we read in the Bible, no doubt. But we read them through our own lenses and we see that God will judge the wicked and we aren't the wicked, we're God's. And so the division we make is between me and God and them. And Jonah is a reminder to you and me that the main division is God and us. God is not me. God is the king. And he has said to you and me, I've given you mercy. He remains the king. He remains the creator. The wonder is that he has given you mercy. 
There's this important distinction that you and I are over here in the relationship we have with God based on his mercy. And so if he decides that the relationship with someone else has is his mercy as well, fantastic. Because we don't deserve anything. And there's a further piece. We are not now judged on our personal righteousness. We can't be if it's mercy. The, the, the basis for his judgment is, have you received mercy, the mercy of God in Christ, his action on our behalf, or do you refuse it? There's nothing I can do. There's no human exertion. So when you and I balk at God's mercy on the unrighteous, we're, we are without thinking, putting ourselves and our actions as a tipping point for receiving God's mercy. It's just not there. Our love, our obedience, our will, our action. And the Bible yet says that it's only about his mercy. How do I know that? Because that's what the Bible says. Look at it with me, will you, just for a minute? It says this in Romans chapter 9, verse 15. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then, Paul writes, it depends not on human will, nor exertion, but on God who has mercy. These are great words of hope for you and me. Because it doesn't depend on how well you will it to get to heaven. It doesn't depend on how much you work to get to heaven. It depends on your God who has mercy on you. And you say, yes, Lord, that's fantastic news. And then I realize I don't get it because I see he has mercy on some other poor slug. No, 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 no. When we see ourselves as different, as righteous now in ourselves, we go far afield from God's actual plan. He says this in Romans as well. For God has consigned all to disobedience so that he may have mercy on all. Do you see what camp you're in? You're not in the good camp. You're with me in the disobedient camp. And then I receive the mercy of God. Because that's my hope, is that the mercy of God has come. And so, and so this starts to flavor how I see everybody. Not just me, not just me versus the person on the street. It, it, it's, it's the reality that we're all in the disobedient camp. I'm never going to claim to some person on the street that I'm more righteous than they are. I'm not going to walk up to someone who, who struggles in certain sins and say, Oh, you're such a sinner, like I'm not. Because my whole relationship with God is based on what? mercy we are the people of mercy and we have a message of mercy if someone will just receive it that we are such sinners and such such broken people and the lord god in his mercy has given us jesus his righteousness right every single person that's ever breathed is under this and so i i I think the reality for you and me is that we're working to help each other as we suffer the the mercy of God. And this is called suffering mercy because Jonah had to suffer. Jonah wanted to die. He hated mercy so much. We are not so different. Because what mercy means is that I have no control. And, and so much of your life and so much of my life is about control and the choices I want to make. And here God says, no, no, no. If you want to come to heaven, you have to suffer. Suffer means not pain necessarily to experience or be subjected to 
I have to be subjected to the truth that I have no hope in me. I have to be subjected to the experience of God's working on me, not my working for God, not my, I so want it. I so want God to tap me on the head and say, Dax, you're my special kid. I want the Spider-Man outfit with the little thingies that shoot webs. I want to be a superhero. I know a superhero. His name's Jesus. I'm the one that needs saving. I have to experience the reality, the suffering, that I'm not the one who gets to go. I'm the one who gets to receive. And God's action on me, and God's action on you, is to forgive you, and to cleanse you in the righteousness of Jesus by His mercy alone. We receive it, all of us. Every single person that has ever breathed is under this, this mercy. You and I are riding a wave right now, you and I. Our eyes have been opened by the law to the depth of our sin, to our incredible disobedience, to the mighty distance between us and God. And Jesus doesn't come and say, oh, here, here, I'll make you able to be good in yourself. He comes and says, receive my mercy. That extends to every person you'll ever know. When you struggle, come back here to seeing that God is utterly beyond any being you'll ever know and you're dependent on his mercy and you've received it. You are forgiven. You are clothed in his righteousness. No sin keeps you from him. He is yours forever on your best day and especially on your worst. And that mercy is available to everyone. And this is the struggle that you and I are in, the struggle of suffering mercy. This is the message of Jonah, not self-advancement, not the becoming the cool group, but mercy. Lay down your judgment. Receive the gift of mercy. Let's pray.